to the Iona Health Visitor Podcast. My name's Amy. And I'm Jenny. Yeah, and today we're going to be talking about um, a wonderful study that's just come out um, that we've just read called the Bathe Study. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you are hopefully over the next sort of 20 minutes or so going to find out exactly how excited Amy has been. Really excited. I mean, literally, it's just been getting better and better and better. <laughs> Um, and I think one of the things that we do both love, and um, you'll find in the blurb, is the link to the the BMJ article on yeah. the study. Because not only does that include an infogram, I mean, I think I've said before how big a fan I am of an infogram. Yeah. It's got an infogram abstract, um, abstract which just it's beautiful. shows everything beautifully. Yeah. It also has a video yeah. about the study with the lovely, um, I'm guessing he's lovely because his voice is just like chocolate. Um, yeah, he's Professor just such a lovely voice. Yeah, which we're actually going to play and just let um, Professor Howard Williams tell you all about the study Yeah. Um, initially. We're going to just play this now for you because it's such a good description of the study. I love a well-reported study yeah. myself. And we'll link to the actual video as well in the blurb, which is well worth watching because it's just... Yeah, it's just beautiful. If all research could come with this. Yes. If we could just do that, please, from now on, just everything be done with this, that yeah. would be great. Okay. Hello, my name is Professor Howell Williams, and I'm one of the dermatologists who took part in the bath study. So why did we do the bath study? Well, childhood eczema has an impact on lots of people's lives, but there is not much research on whether some of the most commonly used treatments work and if so, how best to use them. One thing that is often given to children with eczema is a moisturising bath additive, or bath emollient, to pour into the bath water. We didn't really know whether they worked, and we were worried that they might actually cause problems such as stinging or itching or slipping in the bath. So how did we do the bath study? We put children into two groups at random, One group was asked to use bath emollients for a whole year and the other was asked not to use them for a whole year. All the families carried on with with the rest of their usual eczema treatments such as applying moisturisers directly to the skin as usual. Family gave weekly feedback on how the eczema was doing. So how did the study go? Well over 480 families kindly took part in the study. They did incredibly well at completing their questionnaires for a whole year and we were able to make a good comparison between the two groups. We found that most children's eczema improved a bit over the study year, but there was not any difference between the two groups in how much they improved. We also found no difference in the number of problems experienced with bathing, like stinging or redness following the bath. These problems were noticed by a third of the children in both groups. So what does all this mean? Well, our study found that adding bath emollients into the bath water is not likely to make a difference in eczema when added to other usual treatments. Of course, it's really important that people with eczema keep on using their leave-on emollient moisturisers and avoiding soap. And we plan to do more research to find out the best ways to moisturise and how to bathe in eczema. All we can say here is that pouring bath emollients into the bath water doesn't seem to help. Well, thanks so much, Howard. 
Doesn't he have a lovely voice? He does. He does. I really love Howard. Yeah, he's great. It's like, it's just amazing <laughs> and so clear. And the video, which obviously we've just sat here and watched again, mm. um, has the most amazing sort of, it's one of those ones where they, they draw, draw the pictures yeah. as going along and things. So it's definitely worth a, another look at the end <coughs> of listening to this podcast. Um definitely worth yeah. it so the bathe study stands for bath additives for the treatment of childhood eczema um i see they're taking the h instead of the c yeah childhood <laughs> they're always trying to find like a catchy title yeah um but yeah but but what i would say about this study to be fair is if you if you're somebody who's maybe not that comfortable with reading loads of research and finds it a bit inaccessible usually this is one to read yeah. because it is the most well written and well reported study I think I've read in a very long time possibly ever it's so clear it's so easy to read it's really well written you can understand every part of it even the stats are really well presented yeah. and really clear so and anybody it, can access this yeah. and, and read it and because I find it really interesting it's one of those things where you kind of think oh bath attitudes yeah what, what does it matter if we're prescribing them or not mm. but actually I mean the statistics that I found were amazing and from the study yeah where actually you know bath emollients have um, 23 million pounds spent on them out of the NHS budget every year and it's like one makes up one third of the cost of eczema treatment really oh my goodness that's massive and this this study does seem to show quite clearly that there is not a really not really that beneficial. helpful yeah so you imagine what, what else can be done with that 23 million yeah yeah so i mean the the take-home message the headline message obviously here is that a bath emollient a bath additive so the oily ones that you pour into the yes. bath um, aren't particularly helpful and it didn't make a difference one way or the no. other so and this is very different to the um the soap soap substitutes soap substitutes yeah which i didn't actually know until i was thinking about this study what the difference was between i suppose abstractly i did know that they were two different things but i've never had a child with eczema myself and so no. it's that direct experience that you don't really you don't kind of connect the dots in your head yeah. um, and they are two different things so soap substitute is um, something you would use because obviously in eczema we advise people to stay away from soaps because they're very drying for the skin so instead of a soap we say use a soap substitute instead yeah. which sort of looks you know comes in a bottle you use it like a, you would a shower gel or something like that and it's really effective at cleaning the skin it's just as effective at cleaning the skin as a soap would be, yeah. Um, but it doesn't have any of the drying properties and it's no. actually very moisturising. So yeah. it cleans the skin. It's not oily or greasy. Yeah. yeah. And even something like, I mean, aqueous cream can be used as soap, a soap substitute. Yeah. In fact, they recommend that above using it as a leave-on. Yeah, you're not yeah. supposed to use it no. as a leave-on anymore. But so that one, I think aqueous cream, is that not the one that you mix with the bath water though, rather than leave it on as a, rather than as a soap substitute? they may have both yeah they may have both aqueous yeah. cream may have a product for both but so with what we're talking about with this study what they've what they've found makes no difference is the bath additive so that's the one that you pour into the bath water so um i think sometimes the advice is to mix it up with a bit of hot water first and then pour that into the bath water yeah. sometimes the advice is to just pour it straight in but it's very oily it's it's not like a soap substitute it's it's oily it's, yeah. it's an oil-based thing yeah. and the point of it is to coat the skin to 
provide a barrier to stop moisture leaving the skin so that was the idea of it in the first place but what they found that is that actually it made no difference no. one way or the other and so I should, really like the tool that they used the, um, yeah the so should we talk a little bit about the design then and yeah. the, the actual methodology and stuff um, so they had 483 children and they were from 1 to 11 years so big range um, of ages um, and they all had eczema yeah. Um, the mean age was five years, interestingly. And then they randomised them. So half of them were put in a bath additive group and they were asked to use emollient bath additives regularly for 12 months. And the other half were in a no bath additives group and they were asked not to use any emollient bath additive for 12 months. Um, and then they measured their difference in this poem, patient-oriented eczema measure. So... Do you want to say a bit about yeah, the, the yeah. eczema measure? So the poem, I mean, it's quite interesting because having, um, yeah, we recently talked about the EAT study and the uh, sleep and, and the monthly questionnaire that those parents were having to do um, on sleep and how complicated it was to set up with hours and minutes and things. Mm. This just seems the absolute opposite in terms of, ease of use and being well designed mm. so it's done weekly wasn't it which is also an improvement which helps a lot and it's just seven questions and all of them they answer you know no days one to two days three to four days five to six days or every day and they ask about if the child's skin has been itchy because of their eczema how many nights the child's sleep has been disturbed because of their eczema over the last week how many days has the child's skin been bleeding because of their eczema um, how many days has the child's skin been weeping or oozing clear fluid because of their eczema? How many days the child's skin has been cracked because of their eczema? Um, how many days their skin, child's skin has been flaking off because of their eczema? And um, how many days the child's skin has felt rough or dry because of their eczema? Okay, so, so really, really obvious straightforward, yeah. Very, yeah, very easy to do, which I think means, you know, it's that thing of the parents weren't having to have you know sort of it, it's simple enough for parents even if reading and things isn't their strong point to yeah. be able to understand to be able to answer effectively yeah and also it doesn't require them to have a really accurate picture of exactly how many hours or how many minutes something's been happening exactly. they can just look and go okay over the last week okay yeah it was bleeding a bit on tuesday and it, it bled a bit on thursday so i'm gonna say two days yeah you know it would be easy if you're only looking back over a week to be able to come up with that. The measure is on 0 to 28 scale, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so the scoring was done, um, everything was scored between 0 to 4. Um, so, no days scored 0, 1 to 2 days scored 1, 3 to 4 days scored 2, 5 to 6 days scored 3, and every day scored 4. And then the, um, the scoring overall, 0 to 2 was seen as clear or almost clear skin, 3 to 7, mild eczema, 8 to 16, moderate eczema, 17 to 24, severe eczema, and 25 to 28, very severe eczema. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is, I mean, because this, this, the base study is done with Southampton University, isn't it? Yes, yeah. This tool is actually from um, the University of Nottingham's dermatology okay. department. Um, and the, the, it's it's copyrighted, but freely available to use, could be downloaded. For research, yeah. However, you just need to register use of poem 
by emailing them with how with details of how you'd like to use scale and countries which the scale will be used in yeah which i think is really great because yeah. it's something which is actually encouraging yeah people to use this tool i think quite and a lot um, of um research tools like that are, are you know free to use in yeah. research for that reason because they want people to use it because it it gives more evidence for the tool as well yeah if it's being used more widely um, so yeah, so it's a scale of 0 to 28, and obviously a lower score is better. So a lower score indicates less eczema yes. symptoms. Um, they sort of, what I quite like, again, this study is really well, I've said it before, very well done, very well designed, and they've said in advance what their difference, what they thought a reasonable difference would be which is yeah. really good practice when you're doing a piece of research instead oh, yes. of doing the research and then going oh we found this difference that's a clinically significant difference they've actually said in advance we think a clinically significant difference would be uh-huh. three points on this scale so to a parent they're not really going to care about anything less than three points no. So they've designed this study to pick up a difference of anything more than two points on the scale. Right. So when you do that calculation in advance, that allows you to calculate the power of the study. And when I say the power, that means like the statistical power. So how many participants you need in your study in order to detect a difference of two points. And so then that allowed them to work out how many people they needed to recruit to their study. Yes. So it's a really well-designed, really good way of doing it. And the important thing I think about that as well is then when you're interpreting the results, it gives you a really clear baseline and margin. So if you're only seeing a difference of one point between groups, not only is that not going to be statistically significant, because you've previously said in advance that you're going to look at two points and over that's what you're going to be targeting for your statistical difference but also it's not clinically significant either because a parent's not going to care that much about a difference of one point yeah because on a scale of 0 to 28 where your brackets were was it seven to nine and yeah not so yeah. those brackets aren't aren't small enough of, no. you know so it's not going to make a big difference to the child as the point yeah and that's what they found so they found on average um all of the scores improved for both groups over the year which is quite nice yeah um but over a kind of 16 week period they measured the average and it was 7.5 in the bath additives group and 8.4 in the no bath additives group so slightly higher score in the no bath additives group but the difference between those scores is so marginal yeah it's i mean no yeah there's no important difference that it's it not would gonna... be very rare for that to even knock them into a higher or a lower category yeah they were the parent and the parent wouldn't really notice a one point difference um, so that's why they've come up with the conclusion that there's no evidence of clinical benefit from including emollient bath additives so what they're saying is carry on with all the other standard treatment for eczema so yeah. carry on with your leave on emollient carry on still avoiding soap um, but you don't need to use a bath additive and oil in the bath um, one thing I thought was quite surprising was these adverse impacts you know, uh-huh. so they looked at um, 
they asked parents to also report if there was any adverse impacts from the bath, so like right, yeah. stinging redness. But the, the one that I always hear parents talking about with bath additives is the child's so slippery. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their hair is really greasy because, you know, they've washed them in an oily yeah. water, so they can't, they, don't, they say, oh, he doesn't look clean when he gets out the bath, you know? <laughs> Which must be really hard, actually, if you're a parent. I can really see that being a, a major downside of these bath additives. Um, but they didn't find a difference between the bath additives group and the no bath additives group in the amount of times that parents had reported greasy or oily hair or yeah. slippery children, which I just don't understand. How can there not have been a difference? Because if you're not using one, then why would they be slippery? It's a tricky one, isn't it? I suppose it might go down to the randomisation, how much people were using them beforehand. Um, well, or it I could be that people are just the, used to it. Yeah. Like they're used to, they're always slippery and yeah. greasy, so they didn't report it as an adverse event. No. Maybe. Um, but I think that's important for healthers to, to kind of think about. When you're prescribing, Yeah. you know, if you're prescribing in eczema... Still carry on prescribing your leave on emollients, but think twice about prescribing the bath additives. Yeah. Because if they have no benefit, and obviously they cost money, but also they make the child slippery and the parents don't generally like them. No. <laughs> then why are we using them? Yeah. That is quite quite an important thing, I think. Yeah. They did find fairly good adherence as well, didn't they, to the protocol? Yeah. Oh, yes. Kind of. Mm. <laughs> I think we looked at this yesterday and we were a bit yeah. surprised, weren't we? <laughs> so, on the whole, yes, I think for a study of this type, they had really good levels of um, adherence to um, which category they were in. Um, and I've just realised I did a nice little graph, which I won't be able to show over a podcast, but I didn't <laughs> actually write down the numbers. Okay. Um, if I recall correctly, though, I think, was it 74% of the oh, intervention group, those who should be using the bath additives with every bath, were using it with every bath? Um, Here it is. I found it. So, there we go. yeah, good memory. There so 74% that they were supposed to be using it, were using it with every single bath. Um, and bizarrely, the group that had no bath additives, they were told don't use any bath additives, 14 of them used them in every bath. Yeah, 7%. 7%. <laughs> but hey, you were always going to get some strange things like that. I suppose maybe they just loved the bath additive so much they yeah. couldn't let go of it. To be it. fair, two people, two children, 1% of the bath additives group never used them. <laughs> They were told to use it in every bath and they didn't use it once. <laughs> so there's always a degree of so, variation. Yeah, you're going to get but strange then 87% things. 87% of those who were told not to use bath additives in didn't. any bath didn't ever. And then they'd also broken down the rest of them into used bath additives more than 50% of the time or less than 50% of the time or didn't use them more than 50%. So they'd grouped those, those yeah. together, hadn't they? Which is what made us question it initially, because they were saying um, 92% said they used bath additives either never or less than half. And we were saying, well, less than half is actually still quite, quite a could lot. Could be quite a lot, yeah. Um, but actually, when you look at the numbers and it's broken down into every time, never, less than half, more than half, 
it's actually the vast majority were using it when they were supposed to and yeah. were not using it when they weren't supposed to. So those numbers, I think, are more important. That's 74% were using it every time and yeah. 87% weren't using it at all yeah. in the appropriate groups. Um, so, which again is really good adherence um, to a study. So I think this is really good evidence. It's yeah. strong evidence. Yeah, no, definitely. I think strong enough that health visitors can change their practice on the basis of this. Yeah. And actually in my, the reason we found out about this research initially was because I had a prescribing update at work. Yeah. Um, and at the prescribing update, they actually told us that the trust has now changed its policy on prescribing bath emollients. Yeah. So don't prescribe any bath no. additives unless you've got a particular reason why you think it would be helpful. So the one thing that they did pull out of this research was the frequency of bathing as well. Yes. So if they bathed more than five times, five times or more in a week, yeah, there was a slightly higher difference in the score. Right. So... so there's a there's a slight argument for using bath additives if they bathe five times or more a week. I see. So the more frequently you bathe, the bigger the benefit is of the bath additive, which obviously makes sense. Yeah. The biggest benefit they saw, though, was still only just over two points on the scale. Right. So it still doesn't reach that three points that they said would be clinically significant. No. So... Um, and they did also make the point that that's a multiple test thing. So, you know, with stats, yes. the more times you test the same data, it can skew your results, so you're more likely to find a difference where there isn't one. Yeah. So they did point out that that is a downside. So you have to be a bit cautious about that interpretation of that yeah. that information. But I suppose what I would say is if a parent came up to me and said, my child's got really bad eczema, I've been trying all of these things, nothing's working, I really want to try a bath additive, would you please prescribe me one? I would have a conversation with them about the research and say, the evidence is that they're not effective, but obviously we can't say whether that's going to work for your child or no. not, so let's give it a try. You know, if you want yeah. to try it and you feel you've tried everything else, let's give it a try. See, I think I would want to explore with them a bit more about their concordance with sure. treatment. Sure, yeah, yeah, sure. Because so I mean, often it works out that they're not using the emollients of course, as much yeah. things. You'd um, want to do like a proper full assessment, yeah. of course. I'm not saying I would just immediately like write out a prescription, but <laughs> I'm just saying... You um this evidence this, this evidence doesn't say never prescribe a bath additive. It's not saying that, but it's saying think more cautiously about when you prescribe it. So, for example, if you've got new eczema, yeah, that's never been treated and you've just diagnosed it, yeah, or a GP has just diagnosed it, you wouldn't be leaping in with a bath additive no. because now there's no evidence to suggest that that would be helpful. Yeah, you would go with the other mainstays of yeah. eczema treatment. Um, you soothe, smooth, and hydrate when you when you leave on emollients and yeah. all of that stuff, rather than a bath additive. Yeah. Oh, cool! It is that thing. Like we said, it's so easily accessible. Um, I think even if you've got families who are using eczema treatment, the 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 infogram mm. about the abstract mm. is something which I think even most parents would easily understand yeah, and actually definitely. be a really good tool to use. Um, 
to explain to them. And yeah, you well, you heard, Dr., you know, Professor Howard. Professor Howard. And uh, yeah, we. I think we might be setting up the Professor Howard fan club. I think we've been yeah. listening to that <laughs> clip so many times in the last couple of days. Yeah. So sort of out the running order for this one. Um, but yeah, if you uh, have anything to say about it, then do let us know. Obviously, we're on iTunes. I know that some of you are listening on other podcasting. Um, apps and things and that's fine we have nothing yeah we, rate we and are us on that as well yeah um if you're able to subscribe rate and review us on whatever app you're using that would be amazing um you can also send us feedback on um at i am a hv or via our facebook page i am a health visitor um also via email i am a health visitor at gmail.com um, obviously, I think, Amy, your revalidation's done now, is it? Or it is. Or is it still pending? Yeah. I'm and a proper person, mine, Yeah, mine isn't due until 2020, but we would be happy to receive feedback um, as and when to put into our revalidation I always folders. see where you're going with it. Yeah, no, absolutely, <laughs> we would. Yeah, I was really confused why we jumped to revalidation. <laughs> yeah, no, thing. sorry, it just suddenly came no, into my it head No, I get it now, makes perfect sense. I saw a, a health visiting friend um, put a picture on Facebook yesterday of them getting like revalidation ready, which um, was buying a very nice Aura Keeley <laughs> folder for her revalidation bits. Excellent. Which, yeah, I think she's got the right angle there. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Hello if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> we need a pretty folder. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Anyway, that's it for now. So take care and uh, we'll see yeah. you soon. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. Bye.